Anya Steinberg isn't close to either of her fathers. It's a story the Colorado College student tells in the new podcast, He's Just 23 Chromosomes. It just won NPR's College Podcast Challenge. Steinberg will join us after we listen. A note that there's sensitive language and some frank sexual talk. Hi, I'm Anya, and today I'm going to tell you the story of an immaculate conception. It didn't happen in the Bible. It happened on my mom's lunch break, in a sterile room. What my mom likes to say about it is this. I f***ed a syringe, and then I had two cats. (laughs) Me and my younger brother, Ari, were products of artificial insemination. We're from the same donor, who my mom and dad picked out online. There was only one... Cairo Bank in all of Minnesota. We went to them and there were no Korean donors. Um, I went back and, and why called. Why did you want a Korean donor specifically? Well, because dad was Korean. You couldn't just have any old Asian? <laughs> no, we weren't going to have. No. They ended up going through a cryobank in California where they chose donor 3046. He was a medical student at Stanford with good grades, or so I thought. And I swear to God, I thought we picked the doctor. Last year was the first time I tried finding my sperm dad in the cryobank's database. I typed 3046 into the search bar and immediately had to call my mom. And we picked the jazz musician. And then I remember when you guys said that to me, you and your brother, that we decided to go with the artist. It was like, well, you're an artist and you're Korean and he's Korean and he's an artist. That'd be cool. The cryobank gives limited information that you can access for free. Reading through his files, my mind was spinning. My brain couldn't keep up with my eyes. I was like, 165 pounds, medium tan skin, born in Seoul, Korea. (sighs) Plays trumpet. Outgoing. Dreams of directing a major motion picture. I was shook. I had this identity crisis. Like, who am I? My dad was supposed to be this straight-laced, studious guy, captivated by the intricate systems that make up the human body. And that made sense, because I liked systems too, just bigger ones. I was on track to become an ecologist. I was contemplating PhD programs and research conferences. But all of a sudden I was like, my dad isn't a doctor, my dad is creative. It's in my genes to be creative. And maybe that's why I'm sitting here today, making this podcast instead of applying to grad school. Our parents got divorced when I was in third grade and Ari was in kindergarten. At this point, we didn't know we were sperm donor kids. We had a tumultuous relationship with our dad. He didn't always treat us well, like he wasn't the most stand-up guy. But to us, he was still our dad. So despite the hard times, we kept trying to make it work. And that's the way our dad wanted it. I had this little file and I thought, oh gee, they'll become 21 and they'll have all these questions. And I thought, oh, I'll have the record. But then your dad burned all the records. It was super important to me that at some point we have to tell these kids. Now, your dad never wanted to. If he could keep it a secret from you guys forever, then you would forever love and adore him as dad, like all-encompassing dad. Maybe our dad was right to want to keep the truth from us. Because when our mom told us, something broke. When Ari found out about Donor Dad, he said he was relieved. Like, my perception just changed from, you know, like, I felt like since I was his son, I owed him something. But, you know, finding out that you're not really related to this dude, I just felt like that was a relief off my shoulders because I could just be like, all right, this guy. (laughs) But, yeah, I just feel like it just, you know, 
gave me relief because it was kind of like my exit ticket. Sometimes I wonder if, when the truth was revealed, our dad felt relieved too. The charade was up. The blood that was the bond that held us together dissolved. Ari and I started making excuses to ignore the custody schedule, and our dad started making excuses to skip our school conferences and orchestra concerts, until one day we just didn't know each other anymore. Every other year or so now, he'll call on my birthday and leave a message. I was calling to wish you a happy birthday. I called last night, but I didn't hear back from you. I'll call you here and I'm like, I think you're out of school. Okay, bye. I only call back sometimes. I'd like to say I'm the headstrong one, and that, eventually, I decided to be super fulfilled and independent without a father. But that's Ari. I'm not looking for a dad in You're not on the market for no, dads. No, I'm not. It's, it's not. The dad market is closed. <laughs> Stocks are trending down. Because, <laughs> you know, I got me, so that's all I really need. Ari isn't even curious about who Sperm Dad is. I'm not that into, like, finding out. Why not? Yeah, I'm not really looking for, like, a father figure and some random stranger that, you know, just nutted into a cup. But I am obsessed. Sperm Dad is my glossy fantasy. Thinking about him, it's the kind of thing where I find myself melting holes in my ceiling with my eyes, just completely lost in my head. I imagine his voice would sound deep, oaky and reassuring. He wouldn't be like those serious Koreans. He would laugh and laugh, especially at what I said. He would teach me Korean and tell me all about why our family crossed the Pacific from Seoul to California. These sperm dad fantasies have a darker side, though. In all of the ways my dad failed me, sperm dad could too. And when that darker side creeps in, I feel... There's this Korean word, Han. It has no direct translation in English. The best I can say about it is that it's this swirling mix of deep sorrow, resentment, grief, regret, and anger that some say lives inside every Korean. It's an echo of the traumas Koreans have experienced, from Japanese occupation to American imperialism and war. Apparently, it runs through our veins. It's written in the helixes of our DNA. Han has its tendrils wrapped around the Korean heart. Han is the only Korean word I know, which is fitting, because the only Koreanness I have lives in a man I've never met. Han is why I haven't called the cryobank yet, to see if I could reach out. I realize I don't even know if he's alive. And even if he is, it's possible the records are sealed, which means that if I wanted to meet him, I would tell the cryobank and then they would contact him and ask if he wanted to talk to me. If he said no, case closed. I would never get to know who he is, which seems so unfair. I wish I could just run into him on the street and get in his face, like waving my hands around shouting, Hey, here's what I am. Don't you want to know that I was Earth Club president in high school? Don't you want to know that I used to pee my pants a little bit every time I laughed? Don't you want to know that I've read Harry Potter 14 times? Like a father, I wonder if he could love me despite, despite the fact that I could be a real know-it-all growing up. Despite the time when I was eight and I got mad and kicked my brother in the face. I've cheated on a test. I drank underage. I'm a nervous driver, and once I crashed my car and totaled it, I wonder if he could forgive me. My mom miscarried a child before me, a girl, and she miscarried my little brother's twin. Sperm Dad has lost two kids he didn't even know he had. I wonder if he would mourn too. I'm scared the answer to everything will be no, but for the sake of this story, I'm going to be brave.
California Cryobank, a Generate Life Sciences company. If you are a new or existing donor sperm client, press 1. Thanks for listening. This podcast was written and produced by me, Anya Steinberg. Music was originally composed by my friend, Dan Archibald. And Anya's on the line with us now from Colorado Springs. Hi, Anya. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, what a cliffhanger. Have you found <laughs> Have you found your biological dad since you made the podcast? No, it's kind of a long process, actually, but I'm in the middle of, I reached out to the cryobank, and like I talked about in the podcast, he's an anonymous donor, so I can tell them that I want to get in contact with them, and then they'll reach out to him, and if he answers back, who knows where in the world he is right now but then we can maybe establish contact with each other. Yeah. And do you have confidence that they know where to find him? I, I just, I think of all of the things that could get in the way of a connection, you know, it, it must be kind of mind boggling for you. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was talking actually with a friend of mine who's adopted from Korea. Um, so slightly different situation than mine, but she was saying like, it never occurred to her the idea that maybe her biological mother isn't even alive. Like, I have no idea where in the world he could be. He might not even be in America anymore. Um, so that that is a weird feeling. And I don't know how they figure that stuff out. <laughs> Hopefully if they have a phone number on file from 1994 or whenever. Right. So you're still trying to find him. And just expound a bit on why that journey feels important to you right now. And, and I wonder if that changes, if your reasons change or evolve. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think they definitely have over my life. I think when I was growing up, it was just like a fun fact that I would whip out at like birthday parties. Like, oh, I, I was made in a Petri dish, which isn't how it works. <laughs> um, but now I feel like it's so much, it's tied to my identity so much. And I think like one of the, like for, and for Asian Americans, I feel like family histories and ties to culture are so important for like understanding our identity. And that's like a part of my Asian Americanness and like Korean Americanness that I haven't been able to explore really because I don't have that kind of connection. I think so many of us reflect on what part of us is nature and what part of us is nurture. And you must do a lot of thinking about that. You know, what what of your destiny uh, is is the biological father, and what of your destiny is is your family? What, what what do you what do you make of that? Yeah, that's I mean that's one of the biggest questions that and realizations that kind of like have been swirling around in my mind is like I talked about in the podcast. I really thought I grew up thinking that he was a doctor, so I was like, that's why I like science, and that's why I'm going to go be an environmental scientist some days because then that makes sense because my mom's not good at math, but my dad was. Hmm. Um, but really it turns out he's not. And that was like, that information came to me right when I was questioning, like, do I even like doing experiments on trees in the forest or, or like, you know, counting animal populations? Um, yeah. And so I, I definitely believe that nature has more of an impact than maybe we think it does mm -hmm. um and i feel like even if he isn't like family in the traditional sense i feel connected to him through the fact that we share genes how has yeah. it how has it been to speak publicly about this aspect of your life i mean you said earlier that you wouldn't have any qualms 
you're kind of whipping this out at a cocktail party. But a podcast <laughs> is very different and you have less control over people's reactions, you know. Uh, what's it been like? Yeah, that's <laughs> it's been crazy. I don't think that when I made this, I thought that people would actually ever hear it because I didn't expect to win and then end up on the radio like this. Uh-huh. Um, and let me just remind, so been... let me remind listeners that you won NPR student podcast competition, college edition. So yeah, this has gotten into uh, a lot of hands that you didn't expect. Yeah. Yeah. I remember I realized that like my professor and my advisor at school had listened to it and I was like wow that's a lot of really personal information <laughs> um yeah I I don't know I think it's been something that I've had to become comfortable with and I consider myself like a pretty open book and if people asked me about these things I wouldn't hesitate to say but I kind of just like put it out there for everyone to listen to now no matter who they are um and it's kind of out of my hands a little bit <laughs> Do you think that your desire to find the donor would be as strong if you were closer to your legal father? I don't think so, because I think a lot of like for better or for worse, um, I think a lot of the like hopes that I pin on my donor dad have to do with the fact that that's not a relationship I've gotten to have in my life, like a positive male role model or like male adult figure that I can trust mm. or, you know, a connection to culture um, and family history that I like care about learning about. And I think that if I had those things from, from my non-biological father, I wouldn't be searching for them there's still. A, yeah. There's an inherent longing that I hear, you know, many kids who are the offspring of sperm donors find that they have siblings, additional siblings. Have you wondered about that? Oh, definitely. Yeah. And it's it's kind of funny. Um, well, I mentioned in the podcast that I searched in the donor database to see like who my dad was. And you can actually still buy vials of his sperm in the <gasps> database. So I could be having siblings like born right now oh. or being conceived right now. Wow. Okay. I can see why that, <laughs> why that was a realization. I guess as we wrap up, w was it important for you to get your mom and your brother's blessing to make this podcast? A hundred percent. I I wouldn't have made it. I had to do some convincing um, to let them, like, to let have them let me record them. And I think if they had said no, I would have respected that. And it was so important to me when making it that I was empathetic and I, like, I want to present them in a way that they would be proud to be presented, you know, because obviously this has ended up all over the radio and the internet. And yeah, I just want like the way that I portrayed them to be with love and not to be like exploitative or like trying to get their story um, for a big scoop or like, you mm -hmm. know, yeah. Well, I, I'm longing for a second episode, not to put any pressure on you. Anya, thank you so much for being with us. <laughs> yeah, thanks for having me. Um, and the second episode is could be in the works if could... I ever hear back from Mr. Donor Dad. So. Mr. Donor Dad, another cliffhanger. Anya Steinberg, senior at Colorado College and winner of NPR's student podcast competition, College Edition. The podcast is called He's Just 23 Chromosomes. <laughs>